who gets first chance, who gets an opportunity to lock the door. Does Walker kick the door down, <laughs> you know, sh- yeah. shining style? He's impressive, man. You guys are seeing it. The speed, the arm, the ability to hit it with power and also just put it in play as well. And the, the strides he's made defensively. And then he has a presence about him that we don't see in a lot of guys. He's not nervous, and he's not, uh, he's not, hey, look at me. But he's if you look at him, he's going to give you reasons to want to keep looking. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined today here in the dugout at Roger Dean Stadium from newly arrived, fresh to spring training, St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist Ben Fredrickson. Ben, welcome to sunny Florida. It's beautiful. The skies are bright blue, that Windex blue that I love to see. The clouds are fluffy. The sun is shining. As I told Cardinals... uh, Cardinals PR man Chris Tuno, it's been too happy down here, so I got to come down here and find something to, to be crabby about. No, I'm kidding. So it's you like the sun, but you're the storm clouds rolling in. <laughs> Remember the, the the spring of discontent? I, I do storm very well. Yeah, yeah. That, that feels like forever ago when it was uh, when it was clear the Matheny era was coming unraveled. Yeah. And, uh, that was a that was a bad spring. This, it's, I mean, you tell me, you've been here from the very start. You were the first. I think you beat the players here, the ones who don't <laughs> live not here. True. It seems like it's been a, in all seriousness, a, an upbeat spring. Other than Ollie feuding with with CB Buckner, which is provides a little theater. Um, there's been a couple, you know, a couple pitching concerns with Wainwright's velocity reading from from back home. But it seems like it's been a, a pretty a pretty upbeat spring so far. Yeah, you can probably do like a, a straight litmus test on any spring. Have there been significant injuries? yes or no and that tells you how upbeat things are and there have not been to date now players are about to scatter and the world baseball classic is about to begin and there is some you know teams will hold their breath obviously especially when it comes to pitchers Um, but anytime there's a game and anytime there's a high stakes game or a kind of playoff high adrenaline push game there's the chance of injury as the Dodgers experience with Gavin Lux so yeah I mean there'll there'll be some breath holding here for a while but so far for the Cardinals um, so good because they're healthy now as far as like style and crispness and how they're coming together I think you know the the players you expect to be ahead offensively because of their talents are Uh, Jordan Walker has accelerated his performance tremendously from the backfields into what he's doing now, um, which has been interesting to watch. Brendan Donovan and Tyler O'Neill are kind of early standouts as far as improvements go, according to peers and coaches. Those guys stand out. Um, you know, pitching wise, I think it, you know it's a little bit harder to tell. We haven't seen some of these pitchers in competition. They, you know, they they've been on the backfield. Let me rephrase that: competition against other teams. So it's really hard to tell where some of the pitchers are, and and that's such a key to the season. Yeah, the pitching is going to be the, the talk of of camp when it comes to potential question marks, right? And we knew that coming in, the Cardinals decided not to add, you know, proven excellence at the top of their rotation and they're hoping that that it emerges from you know a jack flaherty and and you and i were talking before we started this podcast they need it for miles michaelis perhaps more than anybody because he's been delivering it the most out of this group but i think how that rotation fills out how the cardinals look at their rotation and every spring i think we talk about 
could they consider a six man rotation? And they say we could consider it. And then they, of course, Don't. they never they never do it. So so this might be a year to actually look at. Okay, they didn't add that guy. Maybe they should fan it out some early. Um, and also figuring out okay who gets broken off to the to the bullpen, um, which is very much up for grabs. A ton of guys with options. Who gets the disappointment of being sent down to basically wait their turn in Memphis? I mean, there's there's going to be there's going to be some real interesting decisions made there. And it sure sounds like Ali is saying, hey, go make the decisions for us. And, you know, we've heard, you roll your eyes hearing about com- competition in spring training because we've heard it on years where we know the roster mm-hmm. and we're talking about maybe one guy, like being the fringe guy. That's not really competitive spring. This one, it actually, and it, I love when Mo says, yeah, I, I say it's competitive every year, but most years I'm not telling the truth. <laughs> but this year yeah, I really am. Said the quiet part out right. loud. It's like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, you, you pretty yeah, much Yeah, but where? Pretty where? Much said it. The where is it? Well, like, let's be honest. Like, like where Dakota is Hudson, it like, this what, Like, what is Dakota Hudson? Is he a reliever? Is he a guy who who goes to, to Memphis and has to, to deal with that? Um, do they create him a spot in the rotation where he's the So you think that's possible? Guy? Like, do you think he can pitch well enough that they're like, you know what, we're going to change our view of the traditional rotation, or he's going to bounce somebody out? I don't think it's more as much like their view on him decides <laughs> it. I think their view on the group could. Mm. When they say they've got a bunch of guys – who are more or less kind of around the same place and they want to try to spread out the opportunity and also keep guys more available for later in the year. I mean, look at Adam Wainwright. Look at the wall that he hit last year. Do you want to run him out there every five days yeah. hoping that he's at his best at the end of the year? I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, I would try to maybe find some ways to get a little more creative with that rotation. You look at what the Mets do, they're going to do a six-man rotation. They added like six pitchers this offseason. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the Cardinals are willing to look at a lot of things. We're seeing them be more experimental at times. They have, for a team that used to be described as pretty rigid, we've seen them make some changes. I mean, hell, Jordan Hicks was an opener last year. Who would have thought there would have been a time we, we would have seen that? Yeah, I, I think and Plante on the job training. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they've got to look at maybe trying to get the most out of their depth of arms because they don't have the that, that top level that some other teams can boast. So yeah. I think there's I think there's competition there. There's going to be competition in the bullpen because you got a bunch of guys who all have minor league options left. So who gets the first bite at that apple? And then that outfield like slash DH mix is compelling because they've got a bunch of dudes who can help a major league team. And I, th- I don't think they're in a rush to like ship them all out, but who gets first chance? Who gets an opportunity to lock the door? Um, does Walker kick the door down, <laughs> you know, sh- yeah. shining style? He's impressive, man. Um, you guys are seeing it. The speed, the arm, the ability to hit it with power and also just put it in play as well. And the, the strategies made defensively. And then we saw this at winter warm-up and even before, like, the poise. Like, he's not rattled by this. And he's not cocky, mm-hmm. but he's absolutely confident. And he, he does a... He has a presence about him that we don't see in a lot of guys. He's not nervous, and he's not, uh, he's not. hey, look at me, but he's. if you look at him, he's going to give you reasons to want to keep looking. We're seeing that. I mean, we're recording this today. He's hitting leadoff, so they're looking. Really been struck by, like, the rapid improvement that Jordan Walker has made, and at a time when, granted, like, some of these major league pitchers are not quite at their sharpest as we talked about, certainly with the Cardinals rotation. So you have to take into account that could be the same thing with other rotations. You know, he did 
face Johnny Cueto and he will face Johnny Cueto again. And so he's getting some prime time looks and that'll continue with the world baseball classic. Is there something that you come down to that kind of has an eyebrow raised and like you're eager to see in person that you want to kind of try? All right. I've heard about this. I've read about this, or I haven't heard enough about this and i want to see where things are headed with jordan just with anything oh i'm i'm very much looking forward to the walker spring um that's <laughs> i knew that would be a big story we we all did but seeing how that you know continues to to bloom i mean you want him to have a loud spring mm-hmm. you want him to to have the kind of spring that you know jordan hicks had when we remember you know yadier molina going to the manager's office and saying oh, air, on the on the airplane take the, we saw it happen before yeah. the, it was before oh, they, that's right that's right that's right that's right it was in uh, i think it was in west palm it was in west palm yeah, yeah and I, I was on a plane yeah it was it was clear that it was hey we need this guy with us um you know the the mark mcguire pujols jab of tony la Russa, you want to see that kind of spring and still early but he's had some moments where you could see some teammates telling ollie like Come on, like this guy, this guy belongs. So very, you know, interested in, in watching that. I think that to me, what's really going to be compelling is that thing I touched on early, where it's like that outfield DH overlap, mm-hmm. and you know they've got guys here that other teams would love to have, um, you know, be in that mix for them. You know, Alec Burleson. You know, you got Gomez who hit a million home runs. Last year, um, where does Walker fit into that? You know, Gorman and Yepes, people are like, oh, well, you know, they're all, they're getting overlooked. This is the year where they should benefit from last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year was kind of their their understudy season in a lot of ways. And I think it showed that, you know, can they build off that? But it also showed how the Cardinals are willing to do that now and how the DH makes that possible. This idea of, well, a guy can't be on the team unless he plays every day, it's not true anymore. Because a guy can be on the team and hit one day and then work on his defense without starting in the outfield the next and then play in the outfield the next day. It really opens up a way for them to tap into that that they haven't had before, and I, I think they're, they're leaning into that. So that's, that's compelling to me. And also, I, I, it's, we've talked about him a ton, but how Contreras fits in with this team and starts to put his imprints on it I think is really interesting. Um, we don't leave any story uncovered down here. So to say there's something that hasn't been covered would be crazy. But I like that we specifically zoomed in on that moment that he had where he stuck up for a young teammate because that's how you – it wasn't him being Yadier Molina. It was him being Wilson Contreras. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing some signs of him getting comfortable and saying, hey, this is how I lead. This is how this is how I will handle this role. And I think that's important as you start to see a guy – kind of put his own stamp on a crucial position. Yeah. It, Lynn Worthy wrote that story, and it was about how Adam Wainwright and Wilson Contreras are meshing. But really, you know, the lead into the thing was really about how Wilson Contreras is meshing with the Cardinals. And over and over again, they talk about how they did not like playing against him. They were very cautious about him from afar. And now they're smitten with him that he's part of their team, and so and so is he. I mean, he's saying the right things about yeah, Cardinals. Talking about the Cubs, though, yeah, and that's on us too. It's like it's on the us being the media. Like every interview that Wilson has done, like nationally, is like let gives like has him tee off on the Cubs. 
I don't think like the Cardinals fans I talk to like they want Wilson Contreras focused on the Cardinals. Yeah. And you know who cares what, what how he's comparing and contrasting it to the Cubs. So I think turning that page is important. It'll obviously come up when they play the Cubs for sure. But I, I think that you're seeing a guy who's getting a feel for this and is also starting to show his personality with this team, and I think they're going to benefit from it. I also think that his arm and the way that he feels comfortable, mm-hmm. and this is Yachty-like throwing to second base, obviously, but backpicking guys off first, backpicking guys off second, mm-hmm. it's going to be big in this in this rule change season because guys are going to get after it on the bases, and if you're not hosing them down, then they're going to keep running, and, and I think that they'll test him but I think that he might pass that test. We're kind of going around the horn, not in order, or in a, up and down the lineup, not in order. So this is a scatter shot kind of conversation. But you, you were talking about the DH. It's interesting that a year ago at this time, they said, all right, we're having competition. You know, <laughs> we're going to have competition for the, uh, for the old DH, and we're going to give the young guys a chance. And then by the end of spring, they had signed Corey Dickerson for the left side and Albert Pujols for the right side. And Juan Yepes and the other contenders for that spot were in AAA. Um, it's like same thing this year. Does it feel like deja vu or does it feel different? Ali Marmol says they invested a year so they wouldn't have to repeat history. And that's probably a good thing because you know what's not available in the market? Corey Dickerson or Albert Pujols. So it's almost like they they have the situation that they wanted to set up last year, but they have no insurance if it doesn't work. Well, it's it's not unlike the Cardinals to wish something into existence a year before they're capable of doing it. They, they did kind of wish Albert Pujols into existence. <laughs> no, but, but they but I also did that because Juan Yepes last spring was having that camp where you're like, it wasn't the slamming through the door. It was kind of like tepid. Yeah. And I, I'm not I'm not naive enough to think that they looked at one spring training and we like, okay, now we'll sign Albert Pujols. No, they were working on Albert Pujols before that. I mean, the idea was there, but I'm saying he didn't give them a ton of reasons to say, no, no, Right. we would block a guy. They were open to him saying, no, no, right. and but he and he didn't. And that's what you want to see from and Walker. So the clamor became, yes. we need help, we need help. And oh, hey, by the way, and you know, yeah, there's and, magic possible. And, and Yadier, Yadier Molina was perhaps threatening to never show up if they didn't. But we'll, <laughs> it's, it's an old storyline. Um, this year, those guys, I think, should be better. I mean, you've had a, a season of Yepes. I mean, hit the loudest, the only loud, the only home run for the Cardinals in the postseason, the loudest bat in the Cardinals postseason. He, the numbers you look at, the more you look at the numbers, the more impressive what he did last year was in a in a in a sample size that. That was was small, but but interesting. Gorman, with some of the changes he made this offseason, you hope he can he can hit the ground running as a DH candidate and mix and match those guys. But the thing that they don't they have now they've got other guys they can push through there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got how can you not want to see what Gomez can do at, at the major league level? You're going to have. I mean, that's what we we got to talk about the DH. They're going to have Goldschmidt and Arenado there a good bit, and that's a smart approach for this team. So. I think this idea that it has to be one guy from the right side, one guy from the left side, I don't think that's the case. But I think the depth that they have there and the ability, okay, Alec Burleson, I don't read into what he did last year at the major league level at all. Mm. He showed up and he was the team was rounding the corner to the postseason. He was trying not to get in the way. Yeah. He's hit everywhere he's been. We'll see if he does at the major league level. But I'm not going to look at, what, 40 at-bats last year and go, oh, he can't be a part of this answer. They've got so many compelling pieces. I think Ali is gets to Ali gets to kind of 
mix and match and, and see who's hot. And then if, yeah, if you get to the trade deadline and you've got guys who you feel like you can flip, you do it. But I don't think you're rushed to make any changes there because you, you kind of you have what we've said the Cardinals need forever, which is legitimate bench depth that can provide offensive pop. And they've got it now, and it's, it's kind of unproven, but it kind of is, reminds me a little bit of their bullpen where they've got a bunch of guys – and everybody's like, well, they didn't spend money. They didn't. Their best success has been with guys who they've kind of seen something in. They've put. They've all got minor league options that can mix and match. And I think that's a decent way to build a bullpen to start a season. Now, last year they got the benefit and the minus of going out and adding a more proven bat. Albert Pools, amazing. Corey Dickerson, ups and downs. And at the end of the year, he's a league average hitter. Who's to say that they would not have been better giving Alec Burleson those at bats all season last year? We don't we don't know. Well, probably we, we do know in the sense that he hadn't really had the season yet that he right. had a, like had a, a minor league. Young guy, a young guy with that in that spot. Would that same manifest? Would he, he have been league average production had they not added Corey Dickerson? I would maybe so. yeah. maybe better. Maybe from the left side. Yeah. So I, I think that and that would have been a huge kind of dice roll considering how often they thought they'd have right, left-handed at-bats. They're more prepared now to, to, to roll that dice. Um, I also think that if you look around, they don't have – there's not an Albert Pujols type sitting out there. No, there's not. Not for what this team needs. No. And there's not a left-handed bat that's out there. I mean – So, yeah. So, I, I, I'm not – I just think it's really compelling what they the, – all the directions they could go there. Um, and Walker absolutely – is a huge factor in that. I mean, Walker is a factor in Tyler O'Neill playing center field. Mm-hmm. He's a factor in, you know, Dylan Carlson having to. He has to feel like it's got to, got to go now. It's yeah. got to go because, you know, there's there's footsteps behind him, mm-hmm. and you know, for for Lars Newbar too. I mean, it's. I know everybody expects Lars to be Babe Ruth this year, and and hey, for, hope hope it happens. Are you saying he's going to pitch? <laughs> everybody, everybody should feel threatened in a good way in in that mix if you're an outfielder who could be a dh guy you could have a a season that plays out great or you could have a season that that leaves you wondering where do i fit into this organization that's that to me is the most fascinating thing going on this spring the the focus of spring for so much even conversation and questions tends to be about like who's on the opening day lineup i still look through and kind of keep notes and try to keep in in mind that there are things that happen in spring that help you know who's going to be in the game one of the playoffs you know roster and that the team that they start with is not the team that they're going to end with the bullpen is a is an interesting element of that because like you said there's a lot of options there and it is entirely possible that some of their major factors for a stretch run push are going to begin in Memphis. Um, and that could be, you know, that could be as many as three lefties that start in Memphis. That could be a young pitcher like McGreevy who's done well and has really excellent kind of pitch profile, um, especially if he maintains that velocity where you'll see him there is a real strong sense that gordon graceffo at some point in time is going to have an impact on the 2023 cardinals it may be after he has a few months in the memphis rotation so you know from a spring perspective in this notion of like competition it it doesn't stop 
when the season starts. In fact, it only like truly begins. And that's the one thing that like, like I do kind of like, okay, comp, you know, competition, fine. I mean, we, we all know you probably name your 26 man rotation right now. Now, could it change? Are there performances? But you know, for the most part, they, they have an idea of what it's going to be. But when the competition really kicks off is all right, you know, Genesis Cabrera, you're the lefty on opening day. Are you able to hold off the lefties coming? Okay, Andre Pallante, Jordan Hicks, Ryan Helsley. You guys are a big part of the high leverage group, Giovanni Gallegos, um, as the season opens. Are you going to be there in August, or is Graceffo going to overtake one of you? Yeah, you're on the 40-man roster, so you get first crack. But if there's someone outperforming you a month in, you might not have a spot on the team. Right. And that's and they have guys like that in their bullpen too, so I, I think yeah this this notion that it's it's I mean we we've followed this team long enough where the team that they bust out of here is not going to be the team we see a month in right. or two months in or three, but I do feel like when you especially when you've got you've got guys who've been around this team a while who could lose their jobs and lose their roles this year, and it's the first time it's the well, not the first time it's. It's the time in more recent memory where the Cardinals have been like, yeah, that's the case. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's Ollie's bluntness, but yeah. but I do think it's coming from the front office too, where it's it's no longer, hey, you know, here are all the reasons to believe in this player. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's time for this guy to to either get it done or we'll find someone else who will. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that messaging is is something that we don't hear a lot at a spring training. And I think that it's an acknowledgement of the talent that's coming, but it's also an acknowledgement that they've doubled down, some cases tripled down mm-hmm. on some of these guys. And they're kind of saying, yeah, we that's the stance that they're taking this spring, but they know that that at some point there is going to be an end of, end of the line or some guys are going to have to get you know jumped over. So mm-hmm. I think that's, to me, the competition is not so much of like these battles for these spots, but like, some guys are either going to kind of cement themselves or be replaced. And and that's going to be playing out. I think it's going to be playing out all season. Yeah. Where are the pressure points on this roster for you? Like, uh, we, you know, it's easy to kind of list the guys who maybe have something to prove in spring or, you know, guys who have to, like you said, fend off challenges to their job in spring. Or we talked about Jordan Walker, who has a chance to win a job this spring. But where to you are the pressure points on this on this roster in spring that suggests that maybe the player at that point has to do something to be part of April. I mean, is it, is it Drew Verhagen? Is it Paul DeYoung? Is there, is there pressure on Jack Flaherty? I mean, where do you see kind of the pressure? Not that Jack wouldn't be part of the team, but that, you know, Hey, look, a lot is based on you. Like, be there in spring some results in spring something has to we've got to see something in spring where are the pressure points that you see that like yeah, where I it's see, like i see what you're saying yeah. there are guys like I, I, jack to me like that's that's the season question for him okay like are you are you the guy okay and if not then then so you're not you don't so, need to see anything in spring it's like well i don't think i mean i don't Tell me if you think uh, I'm off base here. I don't know that there's something that could happen to Jack this spring, regardless. That's that's different from health, that would impact him 
them saying he's got to be a part of this rotation. I, so I, I think that's his season question. Okay. If he goes out and crushes this season, he could have the range of possibilities of what await him this up the next season are endless. Um, for this spring, to me, that, that's like the guys who are who are in that place of like kind of now or never. I mean, obviously, Paul DeYoung is 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 in that spot. Um, is he going to be a a depth piece on this team who has a chance to play his way into something else? Is he going to be a guy that they have one key bullpen injury and all of a sudden flip for something in camp? I mean, everyone's already trying to connect the dots to the, the Lux injury in Los Angeles. Are they viewing him as a piece to hold or a piece to help them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a spring thing for, for DeYoung. Um, you know, I, I think in some ways – you know, a guy like Dakota Hudson. I, I would say those two pitcher and position players Interesting. are are like Dakota. Is he? This is probably the season that determines if he's a starter or a reliever, or some mix between the two, or whether he's a starter in the majors or going to be moving around as a guy who is not that role beyond the minors, right? Yeah, I mean, that yeah. would be a total. I mean, for well, him, you talk about that as an outfielder, right? They talk about like four A outfielders. Yeah, you could gets, talk about four A pitchers. He gets sent to Memphis to start his season, how can that not be a huge disappointment for him? And and I, I was so high on him last season. Yeah. I'm not I'm not giving that up yet. I think the way he taught we heard him talk at spring or at winter warm up about some of the breakthroughs that he'd had, um, the fact the simple fact he's not gonna sit up there and, and make health related excuses. But any anybody, all you have to do is look at the numbers of some of the most impressive pitchers and see what's happened to them. Sometimes after the year after Tommy John, it's yeah. not right. So okay. I'm, I'm 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 I would be a total hypocrite if I was so impressed with what uh, the track I thought he was on, and then say there's no chance he's a starter in the majors. But this season has to prove that, and this spring could be what decides how much of a chance he gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ollie is challenging him. I mean, he's directly putting the spotlight on him, saying he's got to go out and prove it every day. I mean, he's getting almost the, the Jake Woodford treatment mm-hmm. of, like, yeah. what are you showing us daily? And, you know, credit to, speaking of another guy who's maybe on a spot like that, Woodford, I mean, comes to camp, velocity's up, getting strikeouts. I mean, a guy who's responding to that well who could be in that spot where – this spring could dictate, you know, what kind of season awaits him. So those are three guys that I feel like are realistically you need to look at and say have a good spring, not a good season. I mean, there are there are a ton of Tyler O'Neill and Jack Flaherty are guys have a good season or or are you here? Yeah, yeah. Um, but other guys, smaller microcosm of spring. Tyler O'Neill doesn't have to have a loud spring to to get a start on opening day. Mm-hmm. If he does, if he has a quiet first month, then things could probably change. What about Nolan Gorman? I think Gorman and Yepes are probably your first DH candidates yeah, starting the season. And I think you give them that shot. I think they're – it sounds like, I mean, you've been down here that they're encouraged by some of the homework that he did this mm-hmm. offseason. I mean, we just heard it on and on again that he has to close out that hole in the swing at the top of the zone, and that's where they're going to come for him. And if he can show progress there, I think you, you give him a chance to benefit from that experience that he got last year. And it was telling that they had him up for the postseason last year. I mean, that they they want this to work. And you got to remember how young he is. And the defense, I thought it was fine. It was okay last year. And I think if he can play fine defense and be a part-time, sometimes DH, then I think he's a I think he's a contributor. So 
I know everybody's excited about Walker, understandably so, but I think you let Yepes and you let Gorman, you know, be the meat of the guys for the DH that spot, and it doesn't mean that Walker can't be on that team too. Right. Who's going to be the odd man out though? If he makes it, who gets? Who gets Burleson? Not isn't a part of it then. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, that's that's the way you you draw it up. I mean, Walker has to out hit Yepes, Burleson, Gorman. Now, a couple of those guys have the edge that they're left-handed bats. Um, But if somebody shows that they can hit right-handed pitching, Albert Pujols showed that in the second half. He's just started. Cardinals have a very right-handed oriented middle of the order, so obviously they would like to have some left-handed bat. They would love for Nolan Gorman to be that power or Alec Burleson. Um, Marmol has offered raves about Burleson. He loves uh, him, man. I mean, he's he's loved him. He loves what he – he likes him as a person. He likes all of his players. He likes what he brings. Yeah, I think more he likes so, the profile as a hitter more so than than maybe what some of the performance has suggested. I mean, he has been most definitely he has been an Alec Burleson advocate. So Walker has to out hit that and the profiles. That's the thing that I think is going to be really interesting and in how they package this um, and how they explain it is they are going to make choices based on profiles. Burleson's a great example. You know, the numbers on the back of his baseball card for his first swing through the major leagues do not reflect the 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 estimates of what his production should have provided. The swings, the exit velocity, command of the strike zone. You know, he ran into some as they say bad luck. It was not representative of the internal view of him. They they feel it didn't line up and that over time which he didn't have much of, they would have seen a better hitter versus what they saw from Gorman, which was opponents knowing a way to get him out. That's a di- that's a big difference. Um, they felt like opponents knew how to get Gorman out, and so he had a strong rookie season. I mean, he had a lot of I mean, more than thirty home runs overall. He had which like more it, home runs per at bat than any other rookie, right? And like hit more than thirty home runs and what four hundred at bats. I mean, that's. I mean, that's legit power. But what they saw was this is a way for him. They're going to get him out. What they saw at Burleson was like he has fewer ways to get out. And over the long run, that's going to help those numbers. It just didn't happen in the small sample size. So for Walker and for some of these guys, they not only have to out hit in performance, they're going to have to out hit like the profile, the advanced metrics, the um, the expected numbers from what these guys are doing, and there are cameras everywhere, and it's what's it's basically the Palante factor writ large. Last year, Andre Palante pitched well in spring training, but also had a funky pitch profile that the Cardinals were like, "This is going to play in the majors." This is going to work, and he's going to make the team because of that. We're going to see decisions based on that. Um, we're going to see uh, cases where they go, you may not have seen the production from this guy in spring, or these numbers might not be there, but we're going to put him on the team because we think his pitches play. Verhagen is an example of that, where they just like his pitch profile. So I think that's a really interesting element, and how they message that and explain it um, will I, I, I'll find that compelling um, and then whether or not it manifests during the season we'll see um, it, it leads to the fact that like um, if you 
keep going, well, it's expected, expected, expected. Eventually, you run out of months for it to be expected, and you just have to have performance. Right. That's the Verhagen-Woodford dilemma. It's right. like Verhagen should do this, this, and this, but does he? Woodford's numbers say he shouldn't be able to do X, X, and X, but he does. Uh, yeah. And as the season goes along, like what you do matters more than what the numbers suggest you should do. Yeah. And hopefully Woodford can – break through that wall this year and it seems like some of the tweaks that he has made have maybe helped him hitters are saying so beat in the middle right like okay i can do some of the things you want me to do but also stop ignoring the things i do yeah yeah. and and i think that there's got to be some sort of middle ground there what where do you stand on this this walker conversation like i think it's i think it's becoming outdated of like if he's on the team, he's got to play every day. Walker doesn't have to play every day in the no. outfield to make this team. He doesn't. He can be the DH. There are a lot of at bats out there. There out to the outfield with Willie McGee when he's not right. when he's not starting in the outfield that day, right. and that's his defensive work. And then he goes and tries to hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, part of the Walker's place on this team does hinge on others, right? Like Tyler O'Neill's ability to play center field opens up a spot in the outfield for Jordan Walker. Dylan Carlson, which was somebody who I wanted to get to, is also part of this. And the fact that if Walker out hits him. And they go, well, this guy is going to – everything that we expect from Walker now, right away, is more than what you expect from Dylan or Dylan from the left side. Like that is going to cause some kind of change too. So um, there is there are plenty of bats for four outfielders, you know, even five because of the DH. You'll find plenty of at bats for them. The one caveat there is if Gorman – is on the team then it's then he has to be part of that five you know he's got to be included not as an outfielder but as part of those five guys that you get plenty of at bats for that makes sense for playing time donovan starts x percentage at second base this season well, i don't know yeah that's a great question like I, he starts maybe 40 yeah. percent at second base but he's in the lineup 80%? 90? 90? Yeah. If he keeps hitting home runs, which, right. hello. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that to me is – and I, I think that gets at something that people should pay attention to, too. Donovan, Edmund, Burleson, the guys who can put the ball in play high on base, that kind of – what we identify as that, like, old-schoolish type game where it's, it's, it's not just the home runs. Maybe that plays better this year. Because of the changes, we'll see. You know, yeah. guys who like it could help. It could help. You know, Gorman. I think he got shifted on well, almost know, as much as anybody. As much as anybody. Yeah. You know, these guys don't get shifted on a ton. Like he you and know, Carlson. Yeah. You know, we'll see. But that that to me, you have to factor that into mm-hmm. to how you maybe think about um, some of the some of the some of the decisions that, that could be made. So, pretty compelling stuff. What about Paul DeYoung? Because I know that's I know a lot of folks are. You know, we, we we tried to tell people, look, if they haven't gotten rid of him, if they haven't traded him, and they they're saying they want to see you this spring from him, part of that could be the market for him could change if they're looking to deal him mm-hmm. for a, for a need potentially. Which right now they don't have a screaming one that could change, but we're going to see things happen this spring that make other teams look for infielders. We've already seen it mm-hmm. with the Dodgers. What do you make of of where he's at right now? Made the swing changes. You've written a lot about that. He's dealing with some some arm stuff now, so the throws have been limited here this spring. What do you make of kind of where he fits into all of this? Don't know yet. I mean, I mean, his. We talked about guys whose spring could be decided, right? Or spring matters. He's he's at the, the top of that list where 
if you're the Cardinals, I mean, you're looking around, okay, how does the roster fit? What's the depth? And then you all of a sudden, you've got a need. Yeah. He could be that, – that's got to be a guy who could be in that mix. Yeah. I don't know where. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the he's not throwing with gusto. They've downplayed it because they know what he brings defensively. Um, you know, if, uh, if he cannot throw and cannot be in the field for them, then he has to hit uh, – but that's always that's just back to where he started this spring is he's got a hit that you know he's got to produce in the at bats um you know he's not going to get as much playing time to prove that he can hit if he can't get in the field because you can't just put him at dh yeah. all the time it would have been nice to see him play some different positions this spring well they're going to i mean if they get there but like right now you can't put him at dh the whole time because you you have arnado at dh every so often wilson Contreras will get a dh i mean you have to be fair with some of getting these other guys prepared so if if Paul DeYoung is in the lineup only as a DH right now, his at-bats are limited. And if his at-bats are limited, then his ability to show that the new swing is producing well is limited. He can do as much work in the cage and everything like that. And that's really just kind of a, a dilemma now they've suddenly found themselves in is the players are going to scatter for the World Baseball Classic. And if he can't play in the field, then all that playing time at shortstop is now suddenly – going to Mason Wynn. Mason Wynn is making noise. Not that he's like an opening day. And he talked about this. He goes, I know I come into camp and I'm I'm not here to get ready or to make a case for opening day. Man. He goes, he's like, Jordan is doing that. You know, like he's he was very, like he's like, I know that. I know that. What a great but, opportunity for him to play with that freedom. Oh my like gosh. He's of, taking advantage. The pressure of have a spring, have a great spring, make the team is on Jordan and he's carrying it well. Mason gets this chance to play at a ton, yeah. knowing that, hey, I can't, it's not going to happen out of camp, but I can take my timeline and compress it as much as I can. He's definitely one where, like, a strong camp, and you start going, all right, they're going to jot him in the notebook, and you're going to see him in 2023. If he continues to hit, if he profiles as a guy who can hit consistently, you know, they, they, throws, there's a way. Maybe if, maybe if he throws 106. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that throw that he uncorked i mean gold watching goldschmidt was like the best part of it because it was goldschmidt being like 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 i mean just like, the whoa. fact like <laughs> so you watch young mason win and he's got a great arm and a great athleticism and when he was playing shortstop it was like look what i can do i mean it was like the it was it was acrobatic right and then it was 100 um even like in the futures game yeah. you watch him line up and he's like i'm gonna show what i can do that's cool. That's a showcase. Have a blast. But the notion of like, look, you can slow everything down and be more consistent and still be flashy. That was what was on display in that moment. I was like watching it unfold where he makes a great read, leaves his feet, slides, pops to his feet, a speedy runner, like a Jet speedy runner and th- throws 99.9 to beat him pretty easily and it's on a line like, like accurate on a way and there was there was no sense of like overexerting himself there was no sense of like he was in control he almost was like he almost like 
I don't know how to do it. It was almost like an optical illusion. It was like, it looked like he was moving slow and yet everything he was doing was faster than anyone on the field. I think it's already the spring and it's still been early, but he has shown that for all the talk, rightfully so, about his arm, his glove and his mm -hmm. range are are very impressive for a guy who was a pitcher not that long ago. Yeah. And I, and that that's really – I mean, it's great to have a rocket arm, but if you can't pick it and get there, then what's the point? Yeah. Then you're an outfielder. But he's he's got he's got a, a confidence and a fluidness to his – to his movements and and really the, the the no doubt in his mind that he can make any play at a very young age. That's it's fun to watch. The the playing time will be there if DeYoung can't take the field. So you know, I mean, you're starting to. I I gotta be honest. I'll be honest with you and the oh, listeners. I prefer honesty, yeah. 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 Are you usually not honest? No, no, I am. I am. <laughs> but uh, the competition thing, like. They were talking a lot about it, and then they would offer out this cabin. Well, we really mean it this year. Why? Well, I mean, I've heard we really mean it this year. I mean, it, it, there's a boy who cried wolf element to this, and I'm, I was, I'm. You're kind of, you're making the argument that there actually is, and you're, I'm starting to see it a little bit more as you describe. But I was still, I'm still kind of cynical about it. Well, we, what if our, our our rule is always not what they say, what they do? Yeah. Well, okay. and we know that it, when we sit here in 2024. We'll be in the same room, probably. Um, there could be guys who are gone because of how this season shakes out. But that's true every but year. Not key guys. Not guys who are supposed to be key guys. Not every year. I mean, okay. this season, okay. this season, this time next year, you know, Jack Flaherty could be holding a press conference saying about how he – and the Cardinals came back together after they had butted heads and how he's excited to be the face of this rotation for years to come. Mm -hmm. Or we could be getting ready to go see Jack Flaherty when the Cardinals go to play the Yankees um, or some other team. Angels. Sure. Um, you know, Brewers. This, season, nah, this season we could be getting ready to do the Harrison Bader, how are you doing in New York column or story on, on a bunch of players. Yeah. You know, Tyler O'Neill is what's his – what is this? I mean, this has to be the year where the Cardinals look smart for how many times they've said, no, we think he can replicate what he's done in that one season. Yeah, I've seen that with outfielders come and go through here, though. Like, it, well, this is this is your Piscotti. This is Randall Gertrude. This many all at once? Flaherty, O'Neill, Carlson, DeYoung. Michaelis, all the pending free agents in the rotation. Jordan Montgomery, you know, I mean, Stephen Matz is a part of this. We haven't talked about him. Now he's signed for a little bit I'm more, saying, but there's saying, there's an element there of like the where's the production you got from the guys who are coming up. Yeah, I mean, this is but who like who's coming up? That's like that's. I'm, I'm in a whole podcast talking about Jordan Walker. But he's not going to pitch. Mason Wynn's going to play shortstop. Okay, so pitchers, they got to go sign some. We've been clamoring about it, but yeah, they're they're the Cardinals are emboldened by. Some of these guys they've got saying that they can't keep giving the same chances to the same guys. I just I, – I, We agree they need to sign starting pitchers. We yeah, we do. I'm hesitant because there are elements of, like, we really mean it this year. Well, okay, so you didn't mean it? Yes, they with, did not mean it in the they past. They didn't mean it with Randall Gritchick and Stephen Piscotty and those guys and their chance to compete. You didn't mean it when you had five guys competing for one spot in the rotation and it was young Dakota Hudson and all these – you know, you, you mean it – when the guy has to, when the field is open to possibilities, 
But it, there hasn't been the person who has emerged from the competition and said it's mine for good. And that's what's missing is you can have a competition, right? And maybe Jordan Walker's that guy. He probably is, you know, maybe Tyler O'Neill is that guy. He's been given the chance before. Maybe Jack Flaherty is that guy. He's been given the chance before. And, you know, a couple of those guys aren't competing for jobs. But maybe the competition is really that I'm going to be the guy who doesn't let go, who who is the impact that I've long been offered the opportunity to be. So maybe it's not a competition within the roster or a competition within the um, the team, but it's a competition with perception. Be at be the guy that they've wanted to have this opportunity. Maximize the opportunity, and we just hear it over and over again. We're going to clear opportunities for the guys, and you know, in the last five years, who's made the most of a spring training opportunity? You want to know who? Jordan Hicks. No, Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols comes in, and he's a part-time player. And he goes and has a second half for the ages. He had a spot on the team. Uh, Hicks did not when he started that camp and has never left. Well, when he's been healthy. Well, fair. He's become yeah. a fixture of the bullpen as long as he's healthy. But he's not the closer. He hasn't been the high leverage guy. He has closers anymore. Closers don't exist. Okay, but he's not. He wasn't the high leverage guy. <laughs> about I don't we're know not, what we're fighting about. <laughs> we're not. We're not fighting. I'm just trying to make the point that like competition is quaint and competition makes good quotes and competition even shows up on the field. But the kind of competition that probably matters most for the Cardinals is the competition where they haven't won with the breakout f- fixture. The guy who goes, you know what? I'm going to be the cardinal who you build around. I'm going to be the guy who doesn't just take advantage of at-bats and playing time. I'm going to be the guy that next spring and springs thereafter, I'm part of this team. Tommy Edmond has done that at shortstop. He took advantage of an opportunity to play, and he goes, I'm going to be the guy. Yeah. Now he has somebody on his heels. But, who, like, you think around, like, last spring, who was, the, who was the guy who had the biggest season who made the most of his opportunity? And the answer is a three-time MVP who hits seven home runs, right. 700 well, home yeah, runs. No, it's, not, it's not one of the young guys, again. It's not one of the young outfielders. Again, it's not one of the young pitchers. Again, it was a 40-year-old, three-time MVP coming back to the team he had his glorious days and goes out with a bang. So where's the young guy who's going to not put up Pujolsian numbers, but who's going to take advantage like Albert Pujols did of the opportunity? Yeah, there should be more Albert Pujolses in the world. I agree. I mean, am I wrong? No, the the guys who have done it have done it in ways that are more like – I don't, want to, I don't want to diminish the, the, the title of like role player. To be a role player in Major League Baseball is really good. Really huge. But Edmund, Palante, you know, guys who are like, yeah, solid piece. I mean, Tommy Edmund is, doesn't get enough credit. But where's the where's the next star who who finds a lane and, and slams the door? To, to the point where we go a whole, what is this, hour-long podcast and don't talk about them? Who have we done that with? Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Yeah. We haven't mentioned them once. They're two MVP finals. Why? Because they're really freaking good. They're down here hitting balls off the roof, and right. we're like, yeah, well, that's given. 
what's there to talk about? But they're outside. They come from outside. I'm not they, saying like who who can get to that level. Who can who can after all this talk of competition yeah. opportunity? Who can for be sure. that guy from an inside? That that to me is 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 the story that they keep telling over and over and over again. And where's the answer now? It could be the answer is Jordan Walker. It could be the answer is Mason Wynn. It could be the answer is Gordon Graceffo. It could be that it's Michael McGreevy. It could be a guy who's had an impressive spring in Matthew Libertor. It could be those answers. You want to talk about competition? Emerge with one of those answers. That, to me, is sort of the, the step the Cardinals through all the talk and all the keeping opening and all the versatility and all the non-moves in a winter and bowing out of the shortstop market and not adding a starter, to me, that's where they're at. If they want to stop telling the same story over and over again and now adding the element of we really mean it this time, somebody has to emerge as that type of player. I hope I'm like articulating this well. No, I agree. I mean, right now the three guys who would, you could say are the face of their team are all guys who from outside who have been developed outside and that's and I think after that's, spring after spring after spring of opportunity also guys who you know the two most important players on the team haven't won in the postseason wilson has um he's he's got the ring and you know goldschmidt and arenado they don't i mean that that's that's telling i mean they've got guys who the face of their team who haven't been deep so that's another thing is can they talk about competition can they overcome this image of a team that is getting washed out to sea when it comes to what, what the ultimate goal is. Mm-hmm. So having you gotta have three or four guys. Mm-hmm. And right now they got two maybe three. Three I mean, Contreras can be three. Three. But can there be because a team with four you're you're a good team. You're a good team. And there's the hope that it comes from within is what we hear time and time again. And if it doesn't show up this season, they're going to be the same kind of team. They're going to be a division champ who shows up in the postseason, says, great to be here, see you at spring training. When, we'll, when, we, re- when we really mean it this time, when we really, I mean, really mean it. I mean, yeah. I think that it's a how you want to view the view competition. You want to view it in terms of producing a, a cornerstone, or do you want to view it in terms of who has a job or who is – First crack at a job exiting spring. They've got the they've got the the ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They the the hope their hope annually is that it can turn into the former. Yeah. It didn't. It did. Uh, did register with me that as I ready to come to spring training this year that it was Groundhog Day. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That that's about right. I mean, that's that's where they are right now. Right now, they're a team that wins this division and and gets outmatched in the postseason. And if they're not going to be that team, they have to have the double down guys that they went back to and said, nope, Tyler, you're still our guy. They've got to become one of those one of those cornerstones. You gotta have somebody take can't, They can't if they just mix and match with what they have right now, they say, Okay, we've got Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, and everybody else will kind of fluctuate will kind of rotate through as as hot hand. They're not going to be a team that, that that kind of pushes back against this narrative of a fading team in the postseason. Mm-hmm. If they get two guys from that double-down group to have a great year, they're a dangerous team. Yeah. And that's kind of the season right now. There you are. Someone has to maximize the opportunity. The Cardinals have given, 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 given. 
and they got to maximize. They just haven't had that guy who take other than Albert, other than Albert Pools, who took advantage of. It. He's too busy playing in the NBA All Star games now. Yeah. Good for Albert. Yeah, dropping dimes. I respect a guy who says, I'm retiring, and, and you know, trust me, when I retire, there will be no second guessing. And everybody goes, well, you never know. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure with Albert saying this, I'm pretty sure he's telling the truth. Oh, you never know. See what happens when he's missing spring. No, I don't think he's missing spring training. <laughs> no, no. He said, you'll never see me again, except for doing everything else. But you'll never see me in here again. Maybe you should have been more. more uh, I mean, there's something to be said for a well-timed mic drop. No kidding. No kidding. They should have won. A, they, they, did, they owed him a playoff series win. Or just a game. Man. You know, he and Molina did go out with base hits, which I thought was kind of fitting. Straight they did. About the only hits they had. That's Ben Fredrickson, St. Louis. You did you did promise to bring the clouds in, so you're right. There you go. There you go. Wow, what a podcast we had. It is. It has gotten cloudier as we've been recording this. <laughs> you haven't quite convinced me on the, the competition thing, but you got close. Oh, yeah. That is Ben. We'll do another podcast, and, I'll, and I'll, we'll try again with this. <laughs> we got lots of time down here. Yeah. That is, I'm going to try this again. <laughs> that is St. Louis Post-Dispatch Sports columnist Ben Fredrickson back here in Jupiter, reunited. It's been so long. I'm happy to see you, pal. Um, I'm happy to argue with you. <laughs> and I'm happy for everybody to just listen to us argue. The best podcast in baseball is available at sdltoday.com, and that's where you can get all of our Constant Cardinals coverage. Ben Fredrickson is down here now. We actually have... We're rolling four strong here for a few hours with uh, the investment in the, the Post-Dispatch makes in baseball coverage. We've had an opportunity to try to make the most of it this past week. We got four folks in, in Jupiter at the moment as we're recording this. I made a run to Cooperstown and back for two days to, to go with Scott Rowland. I hope folks enjoyed that. It was a, a remarkable invitation that I got and an opportunity to try to capture um, the next Cardinal going into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It was, um, uh, it was, it was a ra- radically fast and crazy and fruitful and really moving trip. Um, but that's the kind of thing that the Post Dispatch uh, really m- makes a cornerstone of our baseball coverage is making the most of opportunities. Subscribers make that possible, and we have to pay off with our content. So it's a good thing Ben's here because Ben will join in with Lynn Worthy and Daniel Guerrero and myself and add coverage there at stltoday.com. I just want to compliment you on on being able to go from the sands of Jupiter to the snow of Cooperstown. And I believe pulling off a first of having a Cooperstown and Jupiter dateline in the same paper, which is a remarkable feat. So I am well, going to well, pull that paper as time. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep that one. Yeah. And uh and and that's the kind of coverage they can expect. And also too, I mean, not to toot our own horn. Okay, I will. The post dispatch is right now covering, you know, this shakeup with the blues. You've got the launch of a soccer team. You've got arch madness going on in downtown St. Louis. You've got, you know, Clouds on the horizon for SLU basketball. You've got Mizzou basketball preparing for what could be a memorable NCAA tournament. And if you're a fan of sports in our region and you're not subscribing to the Post-Dispatch, you're missing out. Yes. Oh, and the Battle Hawks. And the Battle Hawks, which get great ratings and are probably next on the list to get a podcast with the way things are going. Cacodcast! <laughs> 
I got to copyright that. That's brilliant. You should do that. So listen for Ben Fredrickson on the Kakaw cast <laughs> coming soon to sdltoday.com. Check out all the coverage of the Cardinals there and in the pages of the Post Dispatch Best Podcast in Baseball is brought to you by Clauses by Design. Going to get back on this weekly schedule. Going to make up some lost time. There was obviously the travel that kind of. Uh, threw me for a, a wrinkle um, as I had to s- scramble to make the most of, a, of an invitation there. So I will catch up. But in the next few hours, a little travel ahead. I'm, I'm headed to St. Louis to see a soccer game. Jealous? Yeah, totally. But, you know, I, I read about that, that team in our special section that I thought was outstanding. And I'm excited for you to enjoy it, man. You get to. How are you not going to write? You gotta, are you going to write something about it? Because I feel like, I you're, I feel like you can't go to a game. And not write something. I, you cannot go to a game and not. You're gonna write like the longest Instagram post in the history of Instagram. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm like gonna, the 200, 200 paragraph Twitter post. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Enjoy it, man. I'm, I'm excited that you'll be there and uh, excited for for the city to, to have this. It's a really cool thing to see the birth of a team is pretty awesome. Yeah, I got to do it in '93 when I got to go and see the Rockies with my. My dad and um, the man who became my son's godfather, it was, I mean, I, I, I treasure that moment, seeing the first of something, and I didn't want to miss it. And I appreciate you and the Post-Dispatch um, giving me a chance to go and enjoy it with my friends, and maybe I will just keep it to myself. I won't write about it. You'll, you'll write about it. That's Ben Fredrickson. This has been the best podcast in baseball. Talk to you soon. Got to catch a plane.